Your mic goes backwards. Oh, it is backwards. Shoot. I don't know if that matters or not, but... I think it does. I tried it one time. Okay. Welcome, everyone, to Breakfast for Dinner with Sarah the Human. Oh, you said it that time. I did. Plus, plus sign, Bo Blake. That's not the title of the podcast, though. You know, the more episodes you have under the, your belt, the more likely I am to include you in the title. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. We have our dear, dear friend, <laughs> James. What, is that I'm funny? I'm still laughing at that. That's funny. <laughs> I did a joke? Yeah. Let me try this again. Okay. Our dear, dear friend, James Hunt, is coming over in 30 minutes. This is the most last minute we've done this. And we're going to be talking about one of my favorite scripts of all time. Yes. Robot Island. Oh my gosh. The title in itself, Brobot Island. Yeah. It makes you want to know more. Yeah, I wonder if he'll put it on like Blacklist or something, because I think you can read those. Yeah, we're going to ask him about that. He wrote this script, and he submitted it to... Script Pipeline. Big time script writing competition. And there were over 4,000 submissions. Yep. He got first placed. First, first place, place. Number one. Out of 4,000 plus. He was giving us updates. He was like, guys, I made top 20. You were like, oh my God, amazing. And then he was like, I made top 10. They announced it week after week. Like, whoa. And then he called us when we were in Sprouts. He FaceTimed us in Sprouts. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I got number one. And we're like, what? Amazing. But like we told him, a bajillion times, we're not surprised. No, not surprised. This thing is 100% going to be made somewhere. I cannot wait to I watch wish it. I wish I could bet on it in Vegas. I would put a lot of money on it. It's I, just too good. We have to get him to give you guys the premise of it. You know what I just thought of is how he came up with this idea. And oh, I yeah. will have him tell you, and I can't wait. Yes. Okay. Y- y'all are going to love it. And here we go. I'm so excited. I'm so excited, too. I am excited. I've been wanting something to happen in my life where I could be a guest on your show. Oh, <laughs> well, the last two seasons, I was like, okay, let's see. What can, what do I have to do? <laughs> the bar is at interest, be interesting. That and I think amazing. you've always been interesting. Oh, well, thank you. It's true. Thank no, you. in your defense, I guess I would say, we've been wanting to have you oh, okay. for the past year. I, just, yeah. I, ha- I like to have a little launching point. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be an accomplishment or anything. Sure. But it's like, what topic is this person interested in that I also am that we can like flow off of or whatever mm. and obviously we have like 10 of those yeah. outside yeah. of this mm. but this was just very meant to be with the timing of it i would say with Bo joining mm-hmm. and yeah. what we're talking about is james wrote a script called robot island and he submitted it to the script pipeline contest and that's a very prestigious i would say um script contest yeah and there were over four thousand submissions and James got number one. Number I one. I did. <laughs> number was, one. Yeah. So please tell us about how you came up with the idea for your script. Sure, absolutely. My wife and I were watching, well, we're just big fans in general, I guess, of, we're not big fans, but of reality show, dating reality show stuff. So Love is Blind, huge fans of that. Uh, I think whenever this idea came around, I was watching F Boy Island, if you're familiar. <laughs> Uh, with that show definitely heard of it and the idea behind that show is basically just that there are half of the men 
are self-proclaimed f-boys and they either half are nice guys but the women don't know the difference and so they just date them and uh <laughs> they you know slowly get eliminated and then i think i can't i honestly i didn't finish watching the first season but um, can't imagine why not yeah but I do think that something happened where like if an f-boy ended up making it like winning then he got like a hundred thousand dollars or something like that there was some sort of prize that only the f-boy I think would get if he won the show uh, so anyway but I think when I was watching it at the time it was just had this idea of being like this is so silly because but intriguing at the same time because they are sort of incognito or the F boys are trying to seem like nice right. guys and that kind of thing. And you can't, the women don't really, they're trying to discern and don't know, don't know the difference. But I think there's something about men in particular on all of these reality shows where there's something a little bit inhuman about them, yes, a little bit totally. robotic, you know, obviously filling stereotypes, but just sort of like being, I don't know, they have fun personalities, but they're also just really goofy. And so I, the idea just popped in my head while watching that, that it was like, oh, what if half of these men were actually robots and the other half are real and the women don't know the difference? And then I was like, huh, interesting idea for a reality show. And then I just sort of tucked it away. This, this is maybe a couple of years ago. I can't remember. Just sort of tucked it away in the back of my brain and being like, okay, that's humorous. But then, yeah, it wasn't until... December of last year, I believe, end of the year, where that I, where I was trying to think of something else to write, and that idea kind of popped back into my head, and it suddenly checked every single box that I of something that I wanted to write. So it was like you could have a commentary on cultural things, but also just have a lot of fun with the reality show format. You could make fun of toxic masculinity and really have fun with it, and be also just put in some action and horror violence. Yeah. as well uh, so it was just kind of like it just seemed like so much fun and this is a Jordan Peele quote that I heard once uh, that he recommends just like uh, following the fun whenever you're trying to write something it's mm -hmm. like if you're having fun writing it someone's gonna have fun reading it and it was like it just felt like so much fun and I just jumped right into it and yeah so that's where the idea originally came from and of course it changed over time a little bit but that was the initial Gosh, incredible. I, what I love about that <laughs> is I think of the phrase ideas can come from anywhere. Mm -hmm. You got this idea from watching F Boy Island. Yeah. Like, who yeah. would have thought? Because I think, I know you, Bo, like to watch like art house films to get inspired, which sure. those, yeah. those yeah, yeah, are yeah. inspiring. Yeah. But ideas really can come from anywhere. anywhere. Mm -hmm. You can just be playing basketball and or you can be watching The Bachelor yeah. and you have this genius idea it for it. You can come from anywhere and lead to anywhere. Because I've read another one of your scripts, mm -hmm. and you told me when you had the inception of the idea, yep. and it was in a movie, mm -hmm. and I would have never guessed that movie. It was it's so true. far from what the script was about. Yeah, it's a Space Jam Legacy, <laughs> the, second, the sequel. Not the first Space no. Jam. It was like this clear. incredible script that yeah. was like so beautiful, and, uh -huh. and it was inspired. It, the inception of the idea came while watching. Mm -hmm. Space Jam Legacy. Yeah. So I think for you, there is a pattern, actually. You yeah. need to continue to watch just trash mm -hmm. TV. When they go low, we go high. Yeah. That's what it reminds me of. And that's where your ideas come from. Yeah. It's true, though. It's just like you never really know. And I feel like whenever you sort of... This is the case for me sometimes, maybe not for everybody, but if you sit down and you're trying to like force it, it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. It's usually like, oh, when you go for a walk or go for a drive afterwards or you even take a shower. It's yeah. like when you're not thinking about it is when something will sometimes pop into your head. I'm kind of in that stage now where I'm like trying to figure out what I want to work on next and I don't 
have anything. I'm, I'm not really quite sure. I know that it'll come soon, but sometimes it is good to sit around for, give yourself an hour or two and just write down every idea, all bad ideas, good ideas, everything that comes in. But there's also times where it's just like, yeah, then you might just be watching something on TV and yeah. there'll just be one small little thing that catches your attention that you're like, oh, wow. It's a cool lens to look at and walk through life, mm-hmm. I think. It also gives you permission to just watch and read whatever. Like, I don't know. It, obviously, it's great to That's so true. watch the that. classics and read the classics and all that stuff. But also, like, let yourself watch some trash reality TV every once in a while. Uh, Magic Mike. Kardashians. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, do you like being in that state of you don't have a next idea right now? Like, you don't have something that you're working on. Do you like that, or is it kind of torturesome? It's it's exciting, I think, because it feels like anything is possible. The uh, yeah, it's exciting at the beginning, because especially as I started like outlining Robot Island, it was just all these ideas, and they just like came really, really fast. So it was just like, and most of them, probably eighty percent, didn't make the cut. But it's just like all of these things, and that part's just really exciting because it just gets your energy level yeah. going. How wait? How, how what was the timeline? How long did it take you to write it? It seems short. Yeah, it was, let's see, idea was in December, didn't come back to it until January, and then it was about three and a half weeks to get a first draft done. Um, I wasn't working at the time, so I should say that, that, that I was able to write for like four or five hours a day, which really helped with that timeline. But I had, so got that done, then got some feedback on it, and then did another draft after that. I think I've probably done about four or five total. Yeah. Over... Five month period, I think. There's so yeah, many like avenues I want to go yeah. to, but I since you said you weren't working, I mm-hmm. want to talk about how you were working in your same job mm-hmm. for ten years. Ten years, yep. And you became same company. Same company, yeah, yeah. same company. Mm-hmm. Moved on up <laughs> in the company, but, but yeah, but very similar role the, the whole time. Yeah, for okay. ten years, mm-hmm. and then got this <laughs> urge to quit mm-hmm. and really go hard into writing and pursuing your dream of writing. Mm-hmm. And that was a year ago, right? Yep. Just a little bit over a year ago now. So tell me about that because this script was born truly during that year, mm-hmm. but you didn't know that this was going to come during that year when you quit. No, no. It, yeah. So I, it was about, yeah, spring of last year, it had, it had hit my 10 year mark at my current job and um, which I really liked working there, and but I think like it had been most of my 20s and then now my early 30s and doing a pretty similar job that whole time and I, and, and of course like writing is my passion like that's what I want to do at the, professionally and everything and and so I think I just I was really as you mentioned getting that like urge I was very restless I would say and I had written this this other script that was. Um, September of 2021, uh, the one that you were referencing before, uh, that was inspired by <laughs> Space Jam Legacy. Yes, yeah. I had gotten really positive feedback on that, and so I was like, okay, if I, I would really was just curious to see what could happen if I dedicated for a limited amount of time my full time work towards writing. Right. So decided to do that. My wife is very encouraging, Rachel. I think I was more hesitant than she was, but she was, yeah, she was like. No, that's like, uh, let's just kind of see how it goes, whether that's six months or a year. Which is really cool. Yeah. Like, shout out to Rachel. Yeah, shout out to Rachel, absolutely. Uh, because otherwise, I don't think that I would have like had enough confidence in myself to make that jump. But uh, just really was feeling like it was time to do that 
And so, yeah, last summer, left that job with, with the intention of writing full-time for however long we could, like, being... Uh, it, it's funny, it's like being responsibly risky, I suppose, where it was like, we, we know how much we have, like, kind of set aside that we're comfortable dipping into financially, like, during this time and everything. But there was just something about it where, in my gut, I felt that the... In my intuition, just felt like this was the right thing to do. But again, like, I couldn't really rationalize it um, yeah no you can't you'll never yeah. be able to yeah so it doesn't make sense like logically no and there's so that caused a lot of self-doubt of mm. course but there's also just a part of me that was once I started and was able to get in my new writing routine I was like this is great I love this like uh, I'm able to write for four or five hours a day usually like in the morning going into the early afternoon and then I would use the late afternoon for something that would help rejuvenate me creatively. So watch a movie I've never seen before, go for a hike, get outside, like something like that. Um, and so that was my routine. It's amazing. Yeah, and it, but it was like, it was great sometimes, and then there was right. like really not or tough uh, and challenging other times, because other times the, the self-doubt would really come in, mm-hmm. and that would be hard to navigate. Yeah, you quit your job, you yeah. fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. What have yeah. I done? In this economy. Yeah. yeah, no, exactly, and there was like all this talk about like a recession, which I don't think ended up happening, but... At, at no, the, it's like really soft It's just landing. like always <laughs> yeah. about to happen, but like yeah. that was very <laughs> like all later. over the news at the time. I was like, gosh, is this really like dumb to do? And honestly, like I felt that way a lot mm-hmm. over like this whole past year because it's it's just sort of like you don't know it's like I I knew that it was like worth it but I didn't know what I was going to get out of it necessarily and that was tricky to navigate on not great days because there's also times where it's like I I learned that like being a writer is kind of (laughs) lonely there's a lot of time alone I mean Sarah I know that you probably identified with that you had a very similar Mm. journey um you feel like you're in the shining like at the hotel I didn't feel like I was going crazy which is good it was mostly just like kind of sad right. sometimes, <laughs> right. uh, but not all the times. Like there's times where like the creativity would really like fill me up and, and rejuvenate me and, and I would have a lot of creative energy and then yeah. I'd go outside and be like, oh man, everything is like, we're all one, everything is great. And, but <laughs> then, yeah, but then there are the times, especially when the writing wasn't really flowing and it was just sort of like, oh no, what if, what have I done? But yeah. I feel like yeah, that's yeah. just part of the, that's just how it is. That's how I it mean, is. Yeah. It sounds like you agree with us, but I feel like that for me is the hardest part of the writing process is mm-hmm. just battling my self-doubt. I totally relate to that. And then yeah, being lonely, writing, I didn't really think about this before I started writing because it was my first time ever writing when I was writing my book. And I realized how isolating it is compared to other mediums. Uh, you have to get over your own hurdles. Yeah. Like The Mountain Is You, I think of that mm-hmm. book. It's a lot of that, I would say. Yeah, yeah it's true. It's, it's um, in the, the feedback loop isn't, it, it, it is there, but it's much lower than like so many other, like you can share a painting on Instagram, right? And get comments on it or right. likes and yeah. be like, ooh, people are enjoying it. Like yeah, it's that's immediate, true. but with writing, especially something long, long form, it's like, okay, well I can send it to some friends, but are they going to have time this weekend, three weekends from now mm-hmm. to read this? Like how long is it going to take? So you're kind of, yeah, sitting there. I, there were times, especially with robot in the last like few months where I'd go like three weeks being like, okay, well, I'm kind of just waiting now for some notes back from friends and people in my writer's group and stuff like that. And, um, you just kind of have to, I don't know, <laughs> move on to something <laughs> there, else or yeah. yeah, move on to another 
project. But you don't want to like start something when you want to when you know get you notes and finish it. Yeah. yeah. Do uh, you are you impacted by other people's feedback like a lot or a little? Because for me, waiting to hear what people think is brutal Mm -hmm. and then what they say is either going to destroy me or it's going to give me courage and strength Mm -hmm. to like keep going yeah not healthy but um i'm just curious what your relationship is with other people's approval of your work yeah i mean i would love to say that it that i can brush it off but i think also for for writers a a lot of the times you're like um (laughs) You think that, maybe not necessarily, but sometimes the things that you write, you're like, you feel really good about it. And you're like, oh, everyone's going to love this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like the first draft of something. Um, yeah. And I do know that, like, the first draft, uh, I, you know, I sent it to some friends and got some feedback back. And it was not, the, the difference between feedback you're expecting and the feedback that you're wanting and it was not the feedback that I was wanting, <laughs> I would say. But it was like, but it was good. It's all good to hear. Of course, but it can be a very tough pill to swallow. Yeah, how do you walk that line of you hear some constructive criticism? Like, I'm sure Mm -hmm. you're sending it to friends who are trusted, and they're probably telling you things that are constructive criticism. It's not like just being mean or Mm -hmm. anything. Totally. But sometimes you need to disregard what someone else has said said and Mm -hmm. not listen to everybody's voices about how it can be better because then it just people have contradiction opinions so how do you decide like what to take in and change versus okay i'm gonna stay true and keep this in that's a good question i think casting a wide net is a good idea at first and then you can collect all the ones that you've heard multiple times or the the note that you've heard so then if if something is resonating with people say like three people even two i mean it's like then maybe that's something that you should consider if it's something that you've heard one time and you've submitted it to multiple people, and you don't agree with it, then I think you're right, free to right. disregard. disregard. So I definitely had to figure out, like, walk through that whole process. Something that I learned that I'm curious to know if, if this is something that I should implement later on is um, not sending the same, not sending one person multiple drafts of something. Mm. Oh. Unless, what draft did we get? You got first. First, first draft. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I want to read the newest whenever. And I'm happy to send it to you. Yeah. But it made me, folk, some folks had read two or three different drafts of it, uh-huh. which can be helpful in its own way. I think especially with like close friends like that, it's fine. But what can happen is that sometimes they have the old draft in their mind when they're reading the new one, and so they have something to compare it to. Mm. So they're not necessarily treating pure. the new draft as like a, its own original thing. Oh, we took out that scene? Yeah. I liked that scene. Mm. Exactly. They're so, attached to mm-hmm. a line That's what happened with us with Oppenheimer. True. Watch the first 10 minutes. True. It's kind of like watching, read multiple drafts. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, we saw the sneak peek and yeah. Yeah, you thought the whole movie was going to be... Yeah, like we like okay, tried to figure minutes. it out, and then yeah. it was not. Yeah, yeah. And then I compared true. it to that mm-hmm. that movie in my head. I feel like I have that issue with trailers, too. Yes. Yeah, trailers can be Similar treacherous. Concept. Yeah, where it's like, oh, well, I appreciate the movie for not being anything like the marketing. I guess that's fine. But also, yeah. I had a bit of whiplash, and I don't know how to interpret this movie. Or, or, take it in. or it's exactly like it, and it mm-hmm. gives away or too much. Or gives away too much. Yeah. yeah. And ruins yeah. it, where it would have been a surprise, mm-hmm. and then it's just not a salt, surprise anymore. Salt Burn. Don't watch the Salt Burn trailer. Oh, have you I already did. watched it? Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like it gave away the like flow of the movie too much for me. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely predict. Potentially. I mean, maybe not. Maybe it'll surprise us. 
So, Robot Island is a horror comedy? Is that Wait, what? I gotta say something. Okay. While we were on uh, yes. feedback. Yes. I have learned that the best way to give someone feedback on their writing is the way that James does it. How's that? It's just, you, <laughs> seriously, you've experienced it with one of our pilots that we wrote. And I sent you a short film. Mm-hmm. I think something else. I, the short film I sent you is like my second year here, second or third year here, and I was very new to writing in general, anything, mm-hmm. and uh, pretty sure it wasn't that great. And you were very kind, and then actually had some, like up front were nice, and were uh, encouraging about the work, and pulled out the things you loved, and then gave some criticism. It was just in a way where an egoic artist, I guess, is like, it was as soft as he possibly could be while still being constructive. Mm-hmm. I think people need to learn from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, what, what type of in, the feedback you get, is it... I, I've been in a couple of writer's groups now. There's one that I was in I was 12 years ago now, but um, those guys were really great because they would start with circle of love. That is how you had to start. Yeah. So you had to say something positive. We we would go. Everyone had to say something positive about the script that they liked first before getting into the criticism. And I that think that is that is like just really helps because I mean we're all fragile people, especially yeah. writers. And so if you jump, at least for me, if somebody just jumps right into like the things that didn't resonate, then I my the energy level just drops. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then I get in a negative headspace mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, they hated it. And so I started getting in my head and it's like. A little bit tougher to hear that feedback, I think, because you're like, well, what did you think like overall? Uh, yeah. It's really like the the main thing that you wanna that you're curious about. But I think always starting with something, the things that you liked about it, is the way to go. Yeah. And I remember that's, that's the short cool. about the people on the boat. Right? Yeah, that's yeah, right. See, it's still stuck with me. Ooh. It was like ten years ago, or however, not ten years. Gotta bring that the back. The feature I'm writing closely you... incorporates the short film. Like yeah. I couldn't make both. Or they'd, they'd be too similar. You transcended and included that. That's right. Short mm-hmm. film. Yeah. It's now in feature film yep. world. And I love that too. Ideas can flow upwards or into other things. Yeah, and yeah. I love combining things as well. So oh, it's like if you're ever like stuck on something, but you have like two separate ideas, just think about like, hmm, can them together. Because you have be a script that you've you've reworked a few times and you've had to say maybe I'm gonna pause on it right I don't oh know. yeah uh-huh can I say what it is sure, or yeah November 31st mm-hmm. so you reworked it multiple times yeah and changed the ending changed it a lot and it's just gotten to the point where you've had to say we're gonna mm-hmm. sit on it mm-hmm. and that could come back into play years from now or never or I don't yeah. know yeah and it also could be that the last two drafts that I wrote of that were unnecessary because the one three drafts ago was perfectly fine mm. not perfectly fine, right, but, right. you know good enough uh yeah. and it's like what it is supposed to be but it's also yeah could it come back into play 10 years from now is it kind of like a dead project and it was a great exercise um i got a question then. yeah what uh how long did it take you to write that one like how much time spent on it not like uh yeah it's a good question i, I want to say it's probably in 2016 and so and then i would just write for about an hour every day before work in that case. And that took me maybe six months to get a first draft done. It's still pretty fast with having yeah. working full time. And it was a very complicated script. At the time, I was like, I want to write something that Chris Nolan would write. And right. so I intentionally made it really convoluted mm. and confusing because I thought that confusing equaled good mm. Like after Inception. And I'm not saying Inception is... Uh, it, it is confusing and it's good. Yeah. Uh, but it's not... 
good because it's confusing. But right, 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 right. in my mind, I was like, that's, I want to write something like that. So I was trying to make it a little bit too complicated. I probably did two or three drafts of that over the course of a year and a half, okay. maybe. And then fast forward a couple more years, I jumped back into it and did another draft of it, probably again over like six months, I would say. Do you think yeah. that that matters at all? Like, because I know with your Black Hole script and mm-hmm. Robot Island, both of those were, you wrote them very fast, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. And they just absolutely like flowed out of you. Mm-hmm. So is there any correlation between a script that takes much, much longer to write versus something that just has to come out, you know? Yeah. I think there's a part of it is also like the November 31st was at the beginning of me trying to write like consistently and maybe not knowing as much about myself as a writer and like what I like and what I connect to. And then those two that you mentioned have been my most recent ones. And so like, I think I'm just like developing and getting to know myself a little bit better. And I've also discovered that those two are kind of funny also. And that my scripts before were very serious like there was barely mm. anything funny yeah about them so i that's think when i kind of um black hole texas that script was one that was very much a i don't really care if how if anyone ever reads this or if it's well received or anything i just kind of like have this idea it's very simple i'm just going to let it flow and not think too hard about it and then what that resulted in was the most like natural dialogue i've ever written before characters that were kind of, I was able to throw in some jokes, like things were silly, there was still, you know, uh, murder and people being chased and stuff like that. But it was, I don't know, it just flowed a lot easier. And so then what happened though is, so I wrote that a year later, this was after I had quit my job and I was, I tried to do another draft of November 31st. And then it was, it was flowing pretty well. And then I got to the end and I was like, there's something about this just doesn't work. And I'd already spent like two or three months writing this thing and I was really bummed. And so that's whenever I was sitting around and thinking like, okay, well, what excites me? And that's when Brobot popped into my head. And I was like, oh, wait, that is, it can be funny. It can be scary. It really felt like, uh, I was also really into the, to mention Jordan Peele twice now, but uh, the movie Nope. Because mm-hmm. um, it's movie. like, it has so much going on, but it's, it's, inter- it's so entertaining. But it has this like pop culture feel to it also. And I was like, I really want to like tap into that same yeah. energy and vibe. Nailed it. So now it's it, this place where I'm at now is like, well, what kind of projects do I want to do next? Should they fall into the more ridiculous category? They have something to say, but they're silly yeah. mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. Or do I go back to those like kind of very serious, like Christopher Nolan kind of vibes? I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, what I love about what you're saying is the more you got to know yourself, mm-hmm. the more these scripts are influenced, I think, by you knowing yourself better. Yeah. Yeah. To answer your question, it was kind of like what made the energy like flow easy, where something wasn't right. forced. Right. What, what is that? And so I really had to listen to it and also just like not take it so seriously at the same time. I know that we're both pretty new fans of Rick Rubin. Uh-huh. Uh, and his book, which I'm totally blanking on the name of it right now. The, what is it? the Art of Being? Creative. There's a circle something. on it. I think yeah. something of There's being. A I think it's the Art of Being. The Art of is, Being? That doesn't sound right. Creative. I have to look it up. It's creative oh, I think way. There's a subtitle that has 
Away. It's the one with the, the circle. Here we go. Here we go. You guys ready for this? Yes. Yeah. The creative act colon a way of being. There we go. I did not know that was what it was called. It's, you've been reading it. And I, I don't think I knew what it was called. <laughs> I thought it was just a circle. The, the circle book. You thought it was a yeah. circle book? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was there something in that book? Yeah. That... I, well, I think he just talks about like not being so attached to your methods as you're writing and um, or working on anything. And so for me, especially like uh, I was af- honestly like afraid of spending money. <laughs> uh, and so like I didn't go to that many coffee shops to write because I was like, okay, well, that's like a $7 yeah. cost to go write somewhere. So I just had to like, I could do that like once a week and feel okay about it. But um, no more than that. Yeah. That reminds $14. me of a, I just shared this video on Instagram. How to survive in LA with $10. First, I go into my favorite coffee shop and I order a white chocolate mocha. $10.10. And they're like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> In the video. It's so true. <laughs> Sucks. It's rough. That's expensive. Yeah, it's true. Like everything. What's your favorite coffee? Probably go get them. Yeah. Which I will say, uh, I should say I, I did return back to work full time at the company that I was at before, which is... Quitter. I know. No, um, no. But it, it's, which is great. Uh, but it's also like now I'm, now that I have steady income again I was like ooh and I can go get yeah, coffee because before I just guilty. we would just go to Trader Joe's and get the cold brew that you can get in the bottle for mm. it's like oh, 10 right, bucks but right. it lasts us a whole week yeah yeah it was really good we got good about making lattes at home using like a frother that's nice yeah so we, we found like a way to do that but now that I'm back at work I've started going back to go get them so good. Yeah. They gotta open up the inside though. It's really it's starting open, to bother it's me. Now. It's not. I saw it this morning. It oh. wasn't. Yeah. Did they open it? Have you been inside? With the COVID spike, they're like, never mind. Is that what it is? Oh. Well, you, you still order outside, I think, but the the to go oh. orders were inside. The last oh, couple times really? that I went. Yeah. Maybe it is open. We Maybe just saw open. them ordering outside, and we just thought oh. it still wasn't open. The door's definitely open, but I won't Okay. Know. But now I'm wondering if I've like, actually seen customers. Like, can I sit in there in with my laptop? I don't think so. Yeah. Okay, so maybe not. Yeah. Gosh, they gotta open up the inside. Yeah. I don't Seems know why like it bothers me space. so much, but I'm boycotting it until they do it. Really? <laughs> and I love their coffee. Well, they're just going down in rank for us because they took away the biscuit of mm. the, um, oh gosh, the, the scramble, egg scramble. Oh, they did? Yeah. I used to get that all the time. Yeah. Know, it was so did. good. I know, it was our fave. No, it's yeah. an English it's like muffin. muffin. Where are we? Not the same. In England? The yeah. biscuit, man, was so good. Yeah, that yeah. biscuit was great. I feel like they took away something else, too, but I don't remember. Rachel's anyway. on a big La La Land yes. Okay, La La Land makes a good cup of coffee. They do. It's not really a problem, but it's at the Grove. No, that's a yeah. problem. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, somehow I end up at the Grove every single week. I don't know how. Yeah. I don't ever want to go there again, but I'm there every week. I feel like they're going to start opening up I think more. so. But my wife, Rachel, has gotten very good at <laughs> learning how to park quickly mm, and yeah. run in and grab it and then yeah. at the Grove. But otherwise, uh, yeah. yeah it's Mobile order, okay. you just go scoop mm-hmm. it up. Yeah. You gotta do that. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise you gotta do you this spiral whole parking up. garage. Yeah, into the parking garage. Thing. Forget <laughs> it. Mm-hmm. I've also learned this, don't, <laughs> now everyone's just listening about Grove parking. Yeah. But it's important to know. It's it a, is. It's a, uh, apparently one of our destinations when people come here. It's, I, I remember taking my parents there about 10 years ago and being like, yeah, you know, it's just kind of like a mall that I compared to one that was in Austin or yeah. something. And then my dad was walking around and he's like, this is nothing like that. Yeah. <laughs> this is way nicer. I know, it actually is cool. Yeah. The first time I saw it, I was like, whoa, 
yeah. It's like a singing fountain. We take it for granted. Yeah. Huge Christmas tree during uh-huh. Christmas time. It is really cool. It's just like you go at the wrong time. It's brutal. Oof. Awful. It took me once, I think I've told you all this before, but it took me 45 minutes to get out of the garage once. Oh my gosh. Went to go see West Side Story, the Spielberg A one. long movie. Yeah. And then had already paid. And then it was, yeah, it took 45 minutes to oh, no. get out of the garage. And so whenever I went to pay, it tried to charge me again. No. And so I just called the box and I was like, nope. I already paid for this. Yeah, is not happening. This is not <laughs> open this gate, please. And they, were, they didn't say anything. They just opened the gate. But <laughs> they didn't I'm even sure have that, the nerve to yeah. speak back. Um, I'm sure that they, that was probably not the first call that they had received. <laughs> yeah. <think> so. <laughs> right um, when you call, they just let you out. <laughs> but my parking tip is if you do go to La La Land and do just like park, don't pay at the pay station if you're there for less than 15 minutes, because it will charge you $5. Oh. If you're there for less than 15 minutes, just go straight to the exit gate, Ooh. and it'll be free. I Whoa. made that mistake once. We, whenever we go for movies, I just like, fuck it, let's just park on the roof every time. Yeah. It's just consistent enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna surf on level five No. for 20 minutes. I've discovered either go all the way up to the top or start at the low levels, because oh. the there's a lot more activity. So your chances of oh. getting an open spot oh. is probably increased. But yeah. if you're on, <laughs> this is so stupid. If yeah, you're that on, was so true. If this you're is on, the stuff I got. <laughs> if you're on levels five or six, this is fascinating. It really is. If you live screwed. in LA, you yeah. fucking know. You know. If you're trying to park, do at not the do Grove, four. Do not do five. Trust me. If you're trying to park in the Grove at 3 p.m. on a Saturday on level five, <laughs> you're gonna be circling forever. It's our closest movie theater. Yeah. I think the worst thing is taking the escalators for a million years. <laughs> oh, yeah. And no one moves to the side. Nobody no, moves to the no. side. Well, it's not, and it's not an airport, so I get it, but like, still. Still, you should move over. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm dead. I'm in shape. I'm, I'm going to walk down the stairs. Thank yeah. you. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, <laughs> Dr. Brown. How the hell did we get on that? I don't even know. Well, we're, oh, La La Land. We're talking La La about yeah. coffee. Yeah. Oh, the Rick Rubin thing. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I forgot. Coffee shops. Yeah. You, you can finally go back. Yeah, what I what I was saying about the coffee shops is just, um, I took his, his advice once when I was stuck on Robot Island, and I was reading that book at the same time, and he was just talking about, you know, maybe uh, just switch up your environment and just kind of see how it goes. Maybe it won't work, maybe it will. And so then I went to a coffee shop, and uh, like, it was almost immediate, like just broke open the rest Whoa. of the story. Wow. Whoa. And it's almost like scary to think that if I had made that decision to just go to, uh, it was Psych Glass Coffee. Yeah. Um, but if I had made the decision, it's like, would I have written this version mm. of the script? I don't know. But it's also just, and it, but I have to put those thoughts aside because then it's just like you're You'll go thinking too much. Nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So it's <laughs> just like, just, doors. yeah, just flow with what. You, you, I think you get the sense of like whenever you feel your environment is the thing that is kind of holding you back a bit. If you just need to break it up, even for a day, just to go somewhere else and to see what ideas can flow. But I was really shocked by how much a difference it made. Yeah, we're yeah. due for a it's not a science. environment shakeup. We've been working on our projects in this apartment yeah, a lot. Yeah, a lot. So we're like we're due to go to a coffee shop. I or do something. think I'm right there. Yeah. Yeah. Go to the coffee shop, library. The West Hollywood one? Mm-hmm. That one's nice. nice one. Yeah. Um, I wanted to read a quote from your script, but now I'm afraid that it's not in there anymore. Because oh, it was we'll from see. draft one. Okay. Um, it is when after the opening scene and it's cut to black, 
did you change that? The white letters. Oh, in the, oh, the up in the opening scene. The opening. No, those, those have stayed. Those have stayed. Okay. I did change Amazing. the. If I'm saying his name right, the Nietzsche quote is different. It oh, is. Okay. The the quote from the Bachelorette is the same. Okay. What is yeah. the new Nietzsche should I read, quote? Should I read this and then you can tell us what's different? Sure. Well, first of all, there is a horror scene, opening scene, that it starts with, and then the screen cuts to black, and white letters appear. He who fights with monsters should look to it that he himself does not become a monster. Frederick Nietzsche. Then another quote appears underneath. I don't want to have to physically fight you, but if there's no way to stop you from saying what you're saying, then I will physically have to hurt you. Chad, The Bachelorette, season 12. <laughs> you cannot do, you cannot put those quotes right next to each other. It's too fucking funny. When I was reading this, oh, it's too funny. I first read the Nietzsche quote and was like, oh, damn, okay, like, it's serious. You know, like, this may be serious stuff. A Nietzsche quote at the beginning. And then I read the Chad Bachelorette season 12 and I just bust out laughing. I am obsessed with those two together. Tell us what the new one is. What's the new one? The new one, it was also, um, the quote that I changed it to is still a Nietzsche one, but it used to be in the scripts in another place. And now I'm trying to remember what it is. Uh, It's about being a man. Be a man. Oh, oh, oh. oh, True men want two things, danger and play. Amazing. Okay. Amazing. Um, And I had that in another place in the script, so it was already front of mind. But as the... The themes of the scripts kind of became more clear as I was working on more drafts. I was like, that one doesn't necessarily make sense anymore. And so I just pulled that other one. I was like, oh, well, that's, that one's super clear. It's just obviously about toxic masculinity. And I do think that there's certain people who quote Nietzsche that uh, maybe the most like emotionally intelligent uh, or like the way yeah. that they're using it yeah. is, in, is in like a toxic kind of way. Totally. So it just made sense. But putting those quotes in there was one of the earliest ideas that I had mostly because it helped to establish the tone immediately and I was like okay if they're going to read the Nietzsche quote first and that's going to be like oh god so that's like the ultra serious piece of it kind of going back to what we were talking about before but then you throw in this quote (laughs) from Chad and the Bachelorette and it's like okay I want I wanted the reader to know immediately what they were in store for for the rest of it where it's gonna yeah accurately communicates that because also even though it is ridiculously absurd and incredibly Mm. funny it is very intelligent and smart and there's so many deeper themes and so the Nietzsche quote isn't irrelevant like there is so much commentary on our society and being human Mm -hmm. and like you said toxic masculinity so both of them working together just it's it's perfect it's perfect and the thing with the Chad quote is that that's real that's a real quote so like what I was really interested in is like I was like, okay, I did a lot of research on Bachelor and Bachelorette quotes. And I had to go deep, and I was like, there's got to be one somewhere. For work, you're like... Yeah, yeah. so I'm just like, yeah, doing all this and, and found that Rachel's one. Rachel's like, wait, what are you up to there? Yeah. No, I'm, it's, it's writing, trust me, it's writing. <laughs> exactly. This is important. If, when this gets made, I just need to know what Chad thinks about this. Like, mm-hmm. I need to know what he's his a, perspective he, he's is. He's got to get an invite to the premiere. We'll see. There's a second half to that quote that is uh, way more violent than Yay. what I put in there. Yeah. So was you like, were preventing him from being extra canceled. I guess, but I didn't even <laughs> he see. He said it on live TV. I think. Yeah, I found that now. like one quote initially, and then I found the extended one 
that was uh, more, and it was like, it was way too long to put in the, the script. So anyway, I wanted this, the quote to be real because it's like everything, I'm making fun of this and this is all ridiculous, but there's also truth to all of this at the same time yeah. because it's like, that's a real quote. So like there are men out there that would yeah. act like this and be, I don't know. That's um, probably the most, I mean, it's not the most ridiculous thing that happens. Like Chad would almost fit in with this group. Mm-hmm. Like it wouldn't be abnormal that he was in this group of of some of these guys. Totally, totally. Yeah, there's always a villain. I feel like yeah. in every season of TV, whether always. it's a man or woman or whatever, there's yeah, always somebody. And I like what you say about villains. Tell me your, tell us your theory. What's on my theory on villains? How it helps the group to have a villain in common, a common enemy. Like, yeah. We did watch the season of Chad on The Bachelor. We watched oh, really? that okay. season. And all of the guys Closest hated to, Chad. Right, right. And so yeah. they all bonded over how ridiculous it was. It was probably the most mm-hmm. bonding we've seen that I saw in like a Bachelor, Bachelorette season. Mm-hmm. Because this guy was so wild. Yeah. He just brought everyone else up. Like yeah. He just like helped everyone. More than up. wild too. He literally was violent. Like His behavior was obviously not okay. It was, yeah. And so when he was finally voted off... Everyone cheered and they're like drinking, yeah. you know, champagne, and everyone's like having a great time. JoJo whatever. season, if you're wondering. Yes, JoJo season. And then it's like two episodes later, they all kind of start turning on each other. Yeah, you there know? was a new, they don't a have new a villain interesting. came yeah. forth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was really interesting to see. Yeah, someone that used to be in the group yeah. that they used to like and stuff. So, very mm-hmm. interesting. I love what you said about a guy quoting Nietzsche is also an example of toxic masculinity a <laughs> lot of times. Yeah, right. Not like every time, but because I think when we think toxic masculinity, at least I do, I think bros on the F-boy island. Mm-hmm. Big muscles, cars, you know, whatever. Yeah. But there is totally a version of somebody who is very intellectual and like carries himself like they're better than everyone, especially... Mm-hmm women you know like they're smarter than them and they're condescending and mm-hmm. just like a little bit show-offy yeah ben so Shapiro. i like yeah i like that there's different <laughs> versions yeah. of that sorry but i have to talk about the barbie movie i try not to talk about it because no, let's we, talk about it we've <laughs> talked about it every single episode <laughs> it's what everyone's but, talking about you brought it up this time for the record i know i just want to say this one little part just the part about them playing guitar at the women yeah when they say that, they're like, can I play guitar at you? I yeah, love that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's another another version, like the, the musician guy, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Okay, so I wanted to ask you, whenever I think about like a dream and mm-hmm. actualizing a dream, a lot of times I think what happens is I get my expectations really high that when I get this dream, then I'm going to be happier. It's going to fulfill me and it's all subconscious it's Mm -hmm. not like I actually think that but subconsciously I think I'm looking for it to fulfill me a little bit yeah however I feel like when you don't look for a dream to fulfill you and like when you don't look for a dream to fill like some emptiness in you and you know this is not gonna bring me more happiness or anything this is just something that I love to do and I'm just expressing myself then I feel like it actually can bring you more happiness and mm-hmm. more joy. Does that make sense? Like when you get it and you expect it to fulfill you, then it might make you more sad mm-hmm. when you get it. Right. But right. then if you have no expectations about it and then you get it, 
then it actually is just fun mm -hmm. that you got it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you about winning yeah. the competition. Did you have expectations about winning? Were you like wanting to win? And then when you got it, what was the feeling? Oh yeah. So I had zero expectations. I would say I, whenever I finished the draft that I submitted, uh, as I mentioned before, I had done like a 60% rewrite. I'd worked really hard on, on getting this new draft done, but I honestly was so close to it that I didn't know if I'd made it better or worse. But I ran out of time. This is what it is, so I just kind of have to ship it. And gosh, that be... was your attitude when you hit send. Yes. Yeah. Oh, totally. Know. And and I remember when I. Went to bed that night. I was totally exhausted. I don't even remember, like, I, my head hit the pillow and I was, like, asleep that night, I remember. And being like, okay, I don't want to think about it. I'm done. But I felt like I think it's time for me to have a better routine. So then I started looking for work again at that point. And had kind of resolved also that it was just like, okay, this 12 months is over. It didn't uh, I didn't write the, the project uh, or anything wrote the script i was really excited about it for a while now i'm not exactly sure how i feel about it uh so anyway at, at that point it kind of like just forced me to like let go at that point and so just decided to move on yeah then it was just a sunday night and i got an email that said i was a quarter finalist in this script pipeline competition i mean which i was so shocked by and i was just over the moon about it but what it did and then Eventually, it was the semi-finalist email like 10 days later, and then it was the finalist phone call. As I kept progressing through it, it was just such a sense of gratitude mm. Mm -hmm. uh, because, and I think a big piece of it was because I kind of like let go of my mm. expectations at that yeah. time. If I thought that like, oh, I deserve this, uh, then I would feel different about it. But because, or, or maybe deserve isn't the right word, but like I'm owed this right, or right. whatever. But uh, I, yeah, just filled me with such gratitude and still has even, you know, then I ended up winning, which was incredible. But all of it was just like one, one unexpected, unexpected thing after another. What it, it just really was a great lesson in many ways. One of them being come at life from the angle of like gratitude and mm. not having expectations because then it just like filled me with like, I don't know, like I just felt like my energy, my vibration and everything was just so much higher than it was. Cause it wasn't like there was nothing egoic about it. It was just like, yeah. I'm just happy to be here Yeah. situation. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. And it was really, really cool. And of course, like there was no way that I was expecting to have this kind of like validation from taking a year off from work and yeah. focusing on this. Like it's just, it feels amazing. unreal. That's such a me. gift. Yeah. To have the fruits of your labor, mm -hmm. that's so cool. Totally, yeah. And it's one where it's just like, okay, it's like, I don't know what I did to deserve something that's this clear. Yeah. Um, usually it's like you can discern something, but with this, it, it, it takes zero effort yeah. to yeah. see like, <laughs> you oh, don't okay, have this to is pretty cool. Think real hard. Um, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love yeah. It's almost like, I just thought of the saying, giving is receiving. Mm -hmm. It's almost like letting go is receiving. Yeah. Yeah, like I think you so. Let yeah. it, you totally. let it all go, and it came back to you. In mm -hmm. more ways than one. I mean, it's inspiring one that you decided to quit your job and mm -hmm. just like try it, and then it just worked. Yeah, which is really amazing. And then you're talking about the uh, letting go. You even what, your thoughts on the script when you submitted it didn't match up at all with how it was received. Right. And so I think for me, I've been in so many situations where something I'm working on, I'm like, oh, it's not good. I know it's not very good, and my thoughts almost are almost like uh, they're not they're not that valuable. They're not that um, 
Well, they don't mean that, that as much as I think they do. Usually, we're attached to it, mm-hmm. and what you did, I feel like, was detach yeah. from it, and you just kind of let it be out in the world and let it live its own yeah. life. Yeah, and your you personal thoughts on and then didn't have merit, is what I was. Yeah, and for. it's not necessarily like a reflection of you anymore. Like mm-hmm. it's just like, all right, now it's out, right. and people so can read it and see themselves in it now. Mm-hmm. And it translated yeah. through the page. Totally. And I've been getting this advice a lot too, either directly or indirectly, like something I've read. But it's Is just it like, Jordan Peele? Jordan Peele say it. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe uh, at some point. But this one... It's just like don't don't be too attached to like your projects, the stuff that you're working on in general. Like whenever yeah. you're done with it, just be done with it and move on. I think that's like helped me also because I think like you're so maybe especially whenever you're first getting started out, you're so obsessed with like perfection that eventually you just get to the point that it's like okay, I just want to you know eventually move on to the next thing. I know Rick Rubin talks about this in his book as well. It's like sometimes the best way to finish a project is to get excited about the next project because then it'll force you to finish the one that you're working on so you can move on to the next yep. thing. That's and good. It's like, oh, I feel like that's all like positive energy moving, you know, yeah. flowing forward. Can I read a Ram Dass quote really Please. quick? Yeah. Okay. It's about expectation and it came up today. I love Ram Dass. In, uh, his, I don't know if Remember you when you told me that he's dead and I didn't know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had been dead for like three years. <laughs> I just read his book a few months ago. Uh, Becoming, being Ramdas, becoming Ramdas, and I was talking to James about it, and he like I, something I said like made it seem like he's still alive. I can't remember what it was, and you were like, you know, he's <laughs> dead, right? <laughs> what like, no. he is? <laughs> That's a great thing about him. It feels like he's, he's always still around. With us. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you subscribe to his website that has they send out a word of wisdom. No, I every should. Day email. Oh, nice. But this is one that came through today. It says. I do my best to give up the fruit of my actions. If I don't know what's supposed to happen, it's probably better if I don't get too attached to one particular outcome. I listen to hear my next, uh, sorry. I listen to hear what my next step should be. I act in the best way I can. And how it comes out, well, that's how it comes out. It's a matter of letting go of expectations. That's beautiful. Mm, that's so Gosh. good. I just heard, have you heard of Stephen Pressfield? Mm-mm. He was on Pete Holmes' podcast. Okay. I've been listening to that nice. more nice. now. And he wrote this book called The Art of War, and mm-hmm. it talks about uh, all the creative blocks that are internal when creating mm-hmm. and how to war overcome of art. them. Sorry. The War of Art, yeah. Is that right? I get them confused. Oh, did you say Art of War? Yeah, yeah I said oh, Art okay. of War. That's yeah. like the we famous, have that one too. That's the <laughs> yeah, famous I like, book. I didn't know you wrote that. No, 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 no. Yeah, The War of Art. <laughs> that guy was on Pete Holmes' podcast. So what funny. the hell? I thought of that book, and I was like, don't say that. Ram Dass is dead, you know? but the guy that wrote, wrote The Art of War is still here. <laughs> Okay. Wait, now I already forgot. The the war of art. Yeah. Not the art of war. Okay. Oh my god. Anyway, on the podcast, he just said that any idea that you have and if you have a project that is 75% complete that you've been working on or whatever, he was talking about how important it is to just like finish it, even if it's not perfect, because if it goes unfinished, it can be like a cancer in your body. Like Mm. it's like it stays in your body Mm because you don't let go of it. You don't let it like be finished and like, okay, now it can sit on the shelf or it can be published or wherever it's Mm -hmm. supposed to do, but it stays in you. Oh, interesting. And he said it can manifest like depression or anxiety or just in other ways. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true. That's just his thoughts. But I thought that was a really interesting concept. I can definitely see that being frustrating 
and like yeah just kind of like maybe one of those just under the surface type of things that you're like whenever you're like I don't really know why I'm angry or easily like frustrated maybe it's something like that that totally makes sense to me and I've also heard I'm blanking on his name um <laughs> never mind <laughs> <laughs> amazing um there were just two things that have nothing to do with writing that I wanted to talk about yeah yeah. <laughs> um, I just wanted to talk about, first of all, you were the first person to show us I Think You Should Leave. Okay, great. Yeah. And I remember you being a little trepidatious about showing us mm-hmm. I Think You Should Leave because it is it's like a miss. hit or miss. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. It's like either this is going to be your absolute favorite sketch show of all time or mm-hmm. it's not going to You're going to be scratching your head. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we absolutely loved it. We mm-hmm. were dying. And so we've just been fans of that show. So I just wanted to <laughs> have you share whenever you ran into Tim Robinson. Oh, sure. Yeah. I was at some bar in NoHo. You don't live in NoHo. That, so it's random. Like yeah. you don't, yeah, you're yeah, not yeah, you're yeah. usually there. Correct. Yeah. So it was for a, it was Rachel's friend's birthday celebration sort of thing so i was there as like not a direct person i was there to you know celebrate this person but it was one of those words like i know my wife and i know like a couple of people there but i'm not really close to anybody there besides rachel and so i'm not very comfortable in that kind of situation as a friday night um i'm the type of person that would probably just rather be at home on a friday night uh watching i think you should leave or something <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah and so we wandered into the there's a big patio area where we were and so then we wandered uh into the bar area and then sure enough there's tim robinson standing there with those guys and then i think you should leave is playing on the tv no <laughs> i don't think right i remember there. that yeah um and we're like this is so weird because it had just come out the third season or yeah that. yeah it came out that week they uh, were sitting there watching it at a bar because it's on netflix like yeah, or it's Not like they weren't necessarily they weren't watching it, but it was but on, it was on, and they were having fun, and then they ended up wandering yeah. out onto the patio where we were, and then I think uh, some a lot of other people showed up, and it, it was very clear that it was like probably a like rap party or a celebration yeah. of the season launching that week, and so anyway, and then uh, I saw Tim Robinson go to the bathroom, and I never talked to celebrities out in public, and I definitely wasn't going to talk to him in the bathroom. That's <laughs> You just don't do that. No, (laughs) but I was like, you know, maybe if I can run into him outside of the bathroom. (laughs) And so, anyway, uh, (laughs) this sounds weird. (laughs) I I waited. I do this stuff all the time. Yeah, uh, yeah, I waited a couple minutes and then just started walking over that way. And then, sure enough, we run into each other outside of the bathroom. Um, And as I'm, you know, heading in, I just say to him congrats on the new season I've already watched it twice and he was just so incredibly grateful and he's a very normal person in real life I think he would assume the opposite he wasn't like oh was it good <laughs> yeah. was it a good season thanks for the compliment wow yeah exactly so he yeah but he was very just very very grateful uh, it was a very very short interaction but uh, yeah so anyway I just thought of um the Grove again because you did saw you Leo. Oh, you saw yeah. Leo, Leo at the Grove. Yeah. So yeah. the Grove Insane. is good for something. What it is. the hell was he doing? Here? I don't know. I, you think uh, he parked on four or five? I bet. Imagine Leo circling around. One hundred percent valeted on four. <laughs> and isn't he was incognito? He Leo, could have parked on four. For anyone who's confused, Leo DiCaprio. Leo, yeah. yeah. Um, weren't you like obsessed with him, or you still I are? Still am. Always yeah. have yeah. been since '97. But he uh, was... 97, was that Titanic? Titanic, yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was nine. Beautiful. How yeah. many times did you watch it? In theaters, when I was nine, it was three. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. When you were nine. So mm-hmm. you had to like, 
Come on, mom, bring me back to the yeah. Theater. Once was I think with the whole family. Second time was maybe just with my parents or my mom. I can't remember. And then the third time was with a bunch of fourth grade boys. <laughs> oh man, I forgot yeah. about that. We yeah. would just go. Yeah, we just go. I think one of the dads of one of the kids. Yeah, so oh, everybody would take everybody. Is it R? No, it's yeah. PG thirteen. Oh, oh, it is. Nice. Yeah, even with the boobies. Mm-hmm. Because it was considered art. Uh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. so from an early age, you had a passion for film. I did. I did. Nice. Yeah, and Leo. Nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, saw him at the Grove. This is 2018. I went to go see the movie Annihilation. Natalie Portman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I came out of the out of the bathroom and he his, his hoodie was on and the strings were pulled so tight that you could only see like <laughs> the area of his nose and like down to his chin, like where his goatee would be. Yeah. And I was like, I know, I know that face. And he had like <laughs> bodyguards, right? Yeah. And he had bodyguards around him and stuff. And I was like, no normal person would be dressed like that. It's like it made him like. Stick out like, right. a little bit more. I feel like that draws more attention. Yeah, but I was like, that's definitely Leo, hundred percent. Fantastic. But I'm like, we also, I don't know, we had the arc light at the time, but I guess the Grove was his theater of choice for some what? reason. What? Maybe it's well, closer maybe the, to his house. Or maybe the arc light fans might kill him. That's true. Yeah, that might be even the tougher swarm. at the arc light. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe he can slip in and out easily at the Grove or something. I miss the arc light so much. It's a Cinerama oh. Dome, and they need to bring it back. Any news on that? Do we know? No. I think it was you, James, who said, why is it that I live in L.A. and I have to go to a mall to see a movie? A mall or a theme park? <laughs> a mall or a theme yeah. park, like yeah. I have to go park at the same people who are going to Universal Studios. <laughs> are going, Pay $20 yeah. and then go to the AMC and get $15 in cash. <laughs> and that's how they validate parking. Terrible. It's like Terrible. a great way to get cash, I suppose. True. Um, which is, you know, has come in handy. But... It's, what it's are like, they doing? Why but I don't go there that, that much because it's like I don't want to deal with everyone, no. everybody. No, it's an absolute deal breaker, and it's like the second closest theater to us. Yeah. No. But and then every other option is a mall. Brutal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Last thing. This is my favorite memory. Okay. Of all of us, <laughs> you probably know what I'm gonna say, but one night it was pretty impromptu. Us three plus Rachel mm-hmm. went to see a comedy show with Brandon Scott Jones mm-hmm. and Drew Tar- Tarver. I sat next to Reba. Reba. Reba McIntyre. Reba would be incredible. That would be insane. Reba McIntyre. No. Reba Wilson. Rebel Wilson. Rebel Wilson. Have I been saying your name wrong? Rebel Wilson. We're not because she was sitting next to Ron. Famous people's names. She was there to see. I'm guessing to see. Brandon. Brandon Scott Jones because oh, they, they were in high school senior, senior year. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So yeah, we saw it. It was amazing. And then after the show, all the cast came outside and were chit chatting with us. Yeah. And Rachel had an in. Um, she kind of knows them. Mm-hmm. And we were talking with Drew. And all three of us are fans of the other two, the yeah. show that he stars in. Mm-hmm. And we're big fans of him and his character. He's incredible in yeah. it. So I think good. it's like an Emmy winning dominating yeah. performance. It like it should have been definitely so well done, and we're just big fans, big fans. But when we were talking to him, we were all trying to play it very cool. Yeah, so somehow it got Too cool. to where it was just the three of us. <laughs> Rachel was off talking to thing. somebody, yeah. doing her thing, and uh, it was us three and Drew Tarver were just chatting, and he was just kind of how'd you like the show or whatever. Our biggest regret was the whole time we played it too cool to yeah. where we walked away from the conversation thinking, no, like what? I yeah, it was nobody like, revealed that we 
knew knew who yeah. he was or were yeah. big the Massive other two fans, fans. Of the other two. Yeah. and so we I can't remember what we were talking about but he started talking about like oh I have a podcast and it's like something he does with his friends and it's not like from the way he described it it's like not like super popular or anything mm-hmm. and so we're like alright cool and then we like wrapped up our conversation we were walking away and we are just thinking that Drew probably thinks that we think he's just some fucking guy with a podcast <laughs> he kept saying it's not very good you don't have to listen to it and we're like haha okay we won't <laughs> like, good, good luck with your said. podcast dude good luck with your podcast hey man LA's tough but hang in there you know he's the lead of a huge show killing it on HBO I feel uh, so bad. It's so good. It's amazing. I know. I think about that probably once a week. <laughs> I think about it all the time. I'm like, how did he feel? I just, like we might that. have made him. I should. We should have called his agent. Spiral. Yeah. We should have called that. his agent the next day and be like, hey, can you just tell Drew? We're the people that talked to him last night. We know who he is and we're big fans. Mm-hmm. We don't want him to think he's just yeah. some guy with a podcast. He was super nice, and I remember it was. Uh, I had already put in my notice at work, but I hadn't left yet, and he was like. He was very encouraging and had just talked about like whenever he did something similar Aww. also and stuff and I remember that and uh, um, so in your Oscar speech you can think Drew Tarver <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah exactly no, and that, that's how you make it up I didn't just think you were a guy with yeah. a podcast Drew <laughs> thank you so if Drew's listening right now <laughs> we love you we love you we know who you are we were just too starstruck to yeah that's we were right. playing it way too cool I have no in between though I am either play it way too cool or it's almost rude. Or I'm extremely starstruck. Like when I saw Dax, I was like, I'm an arm cherry. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was like, ah, That's I how I was with Bo Burnham. <laughs> and I just could not formulate sentences. Mm-hmm. Oh my and gosh. It was yeah. awful. But there's just no in between for me. I feel like you played exactly <laughs> right with uh, Tim Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. how you do it. Comical collective, but you express your gratitude. You're, you're a fan. Yeah, give them that you gift. appreciate their work. Oh man. It's okay. so true. This was so much fun. Very this fun. was so much fun. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me on. This is great. I feel I feel so honored. Very excited to see what happens with Robot Island. Very excited to see what you write next. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. We're always pumped to get one of your scripts. We have a ritual where Keep we sending them. read them at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll be like a page ahead and start cracking up and Bo will be like, stop, stop. I'll get you, up and get go in the other room. Stop sp- laughing. You're spoiling it. Not there yet. <laughs> I, I, I will say y'all's reaction to Black Hole, Texas, whenever y'all read that. And uh, I know that you sent me a photo of Bo reading it. And it's like still just one of the best pictures ever uh, oh. for me. It's like, yes. I, I was like, because I think y'all were maybe the first people that, who had read it. And it was one where it's just like, it was so close to me that it was like, again, stream of consciousness kind of thing, didn't know how people were going to connect to it. And I, I think that it was like the deepest anyone has ever connected to something mm-hmm. that I've yeah. written. So I think I about that script once a week. For we, real. Yeah, we do. We talk about we it, a, it lot. a lot. We're like, like Black Hole. Yeah. We really do. And the photo is you in is a big lake? comfy chair at the <laughs> lake. Yeah, yeah. And I think you have your mouth agape. Like, you're like... <gasps> you're just very... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of yeah. like hunched over and just like really engaged <laughs> on it. <laughs> We're very audible when we read your script. We're like, oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. I can't believe this has happened. So good. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.